series right now on the purpose of the church. And if you've been a part of this all along, you'll know so far we talked about the church has a purpose to worship. It's one of the purposes of the church. The church has a calling and a purpose in evangelism. And last week we talked about the church has a purpose in mission or in ministry or in service. Well, today I want to take us to another one of those five purposes that we see for the church, discipleship. And this is that moment that is a, it's probably the least thought about, uh, and yet one of the most important things that we're called to do. Remember Jesus told us to make disciples. We read that last week. That was kind of in the centerpiece of the Great Commission, uh, beyond just evangelism and baptizing, but make true disciples. And that word disciple is an interesting word, and it has a lot to do with education and teaching and, and understanding. And so as we think about that, today, I kind of want to come into a sermon that, what's going to be more of a teaching sermon than the normal preaching sermon? We're going to look at seven uh, aspects of a disciple today. And I want to start by just asking this question, you know, what does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, what is that about? And, and what, is it, what does it look like? If we were to look at that word, one of the connotations of a disciple is a follower, disciple is a follower. And so as we think about that for a moment, it says, Jesus, this is from Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus once said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. To be a disciple is to be a Jesus follower. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is famous for having said the, the phrase that to come to Jesus is to die. And, and Jesus kind of says that, deny yourself and take up a cross daily to die to self. At the very beginning of the idea of discipleship, that we are followers implies there's someone who knows the way better or more faithfully than we do, and we're going to follow them wherever they lead. A follower. Now, this is just the first question. What do you follow? This is the age where people follow social media posts, we follow uh, all kinds of things, uh, favorite show, favorite star. What, are, what do you follow? And how faithfully do you follow it? I, I, it's no secret I like to follow the Indianapolis Colts, you know? I don't know where that's going to go this season. I follow them. I listen to the podcast about them. I like to see how they're doing. It's something that I follow. I'd be careful that that doesn't become more important than other things, though. And you have to be careful of the same thing. What do you follow? The stock market reports each week. Some people follow death. They, their favorite thing, they open the paper, and the first thing they do is look at obituaries to see who's lived and who's died. I don't know. I don't What do you follow? Well, let me say this. We're called to be followers of Jesus, and the disciples understood that. When Jesus called to them from the beginning, he said, follow me, follow me. And he gave them the choice to follow him or not. Now, we know the story of the 12, and, and at least 11 of the 12 followed him their whole life. Well, he's given us the same opportunity. Follow me. It's an opportunity to follow him, and, and it's a choice that we have to make, he says, daily. So as you reflect over the last few days, part of being a disciple is to ask the question, am I faithfully following Jesus? And if not, who or what am I following? It, it, it begs a second question about following real quick. Did you ever say this when you were a kid to your sister or to your brother or to someone else? You're not the boss of me. 
You're not the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me where to go. You're not the boss of me. Well, here's the challenge, right? If we follow Jesus, he tells us where to go. I don't have time to go into all of these stories today, but if you were to look at the relationship of Jesus to the disciples, frequently he'd say things like, get into the boat. Go do this thing. Go to the other side. He told them what to do. And for the most part, they did it. They did it. Followers have to, to recognize something. There's someone greater than me that I need to be listening to and following and doing what they say. Someone greater than me. And that's the hard part, right? It's fun to follow until someone asks us to follow them somewhere we don't want to go. That's not so much fun then. And then the question becomes, who is greater? What will is more important, my will or the will of the person I'm following? Jesus calls us to be followers. And the disciples follow him to the end. Discipleship in its core also means to be a learner. A learner. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 29, about these disciples being learners. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. <laughs> to be a disciple is to be a learner, to learn from Jesus. Now, this is perhaps the thing that Christians struggle with the most, and it shouldn't be a struggle for us. But if you were to ask Christians, people who identify as Christians, this question, they would struggle to come up with the right answer here. How often are you spending time reading God's Word? Now, is it something you read a verse a day? I heard, I know there's an app, the 60-second Bible, so you get one minute of Bible a day. Is it that you read a chapter a day? I was with someone yesterday who said that's what they try to do is a chapter a day. How will I learn if I don't study? How will I learn who Jesus is and what Jesus is if I'm not enmeshed and, and buried in his word and reading it and thinking about it and, and, and devouring it? I have to be honest. I, at times in my life, have struggled with how much time to spend in God's word. And certainly like you, there were days that it wasn't opened at all. This last summer, I was challenged after I was at a conference to do something that I'd never done before, and, and I'm not recommending this to you, it's not for everyone else to do, and it, it had some health things, it did affect my health both negatively and positively in the end, <laughs> but I went on a 100-day journey, where for 100 days in a row, I would give up one meal a day, and during my meal time, one meal a day, I would read the Bible. Now, that was the goal of the 100-day journey. Now, the first thing that happened along that journey and that way was in the beginning, it was really hard to give up a meal a day. <laughs> that was really the hard part, and I focused a lot on that. And I kept thinking, well, I'll, I'll read. the Bible says, Jesus, my flesh is real food. The Bible is described as food. I'll fill up on that. So I began to do that, to read God's Word, and it, it was transformative. It changed my life. It really did. And uh, it's, it created a hunger in me for God's word um, that I didn't, I didn't have before, quite frankly. It's been an awesome experience. 
Now, there was another part of that. I, I got going along in that. I thought, you know, I'm not just going to give up a meal. I'm going to try to give up caffeine, and that just about killed me. I went to my doctor's office after having been on caffeine for like 12 days. My blood pressure was off the charts. Like, that can't be right. He goes, no, your body hates you right now. <laughs> it pretty much hates you because of what you've done. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Jesus calls us to be learners. And this is the area we, we need to do this. We need to take seriously the call to be reading the Bible, to be studying, to learn from him. To learn from him. You know, when you read the Bible, if Jesus is present with us, and he is, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. When we are reading in his word through his Holy Spirit, he instructs us by what we read there. A fascinating thing, I'm not going to make you do this, but if I was to say to each one of you, turn to such and such a passage and read it, and then write down what you think that it means to you. You would come up with different answers. Because the Bible has that ability to do that, to impact something. It's kind of re- that Wade said this morning, it kind of reads us as much as we read it. it, it, would, it would, it's alive. In fact, the Bible is described as being, God's word is described as being living and active. Living and active. Don't be afraid to be a learner. The disciples, learning all the time, when they didn't know what something meant, they would just ask Jesus. What do you mean about that? What do you mean about sowing the seed and someone scattering weeds in there with it? What do you mean about that? And then, how, what's the point? And Jesus would tell them. And if you read something, you don't understand it, before you ask the preacher or you ask someone else, ask Jesus. What do you mean about that? What's the point of that? To be a disciple is to be a learner. What have you learned lately? You know, there's another thing that to be a disciple is. To be a disciple is to be a sharer. Listen to these words from Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. This is the story of the the feeding of the 5,000. Taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. To be a disciple is to share with others what Jesus gives to you. And when you do, incredible things will occur. When he handed them the food, they didn't have the baskets full of food in their hands yet. They only had what Jesus had given them. But as they shared what he gave them, he continued to multiply it and to bless many people through their offering, their gifts. They gave to others what was given to them by Jesus. To be a disciple is to be a sharer. To be a sharer. When God created the, the, the people of Abraham and of Israel, one of the phrases that, that was used repeatedly was that they were blessed by God so they could bless others. They were blessed to be a blessing. Well, that, as the new Israel, that continues for us today. We are blessed to be a blessing. We share with others the good things that God has shared with us. To be a disciple is to be a sharer. In other words, as much as you appreciate the nice things that God's doing in your life, and you're thankful for them, and as much as he loves you, he's not just doing those things for you or for me. He's blessing you so that you can share that blessing with others. And here's the craziest part. When you do That in itself is another kind of blessing for you when you are faithful to share the good things that God has given to you. To be a disciple is to be a sharer. To be a disciple is, of course, to be a student. 
Luke 6.40 says, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. You know, in the Old Testament and the New, there was an idea about a rabbi or a teacher and their students. And the concept was that, that you would train for a period of time underneath a prophet or a rabbi or a teacher, and that they would train you, they would teach you, and that eventually the student would become the master. This is kind of like that relationship of Elisha and Elijah, the idea that one day Elisha would replace Elijah as the prophet. And and that's kind of the idea that we have about a lot of things, but this is what makes the relationship between Jesus and us so unique. The disciples never had the same authority as their teacher. They are lifelong students, disciples, followers. They are never the master, and neither are we. Jesus is always still the one we follow. We don't follow him so that someday we can be equal to him, and we can lead others the same exact way that he does with the same authority. We'll never have that authority. That's his authority. That's his place. So we teach in his name, we we baptize in him, we follow in his name, but he always remains the master, the teacher, the, the leader. And we don't ever attain equality with him where we become that place, where we become that person that has that. It's a unique thing. We are perpetually the student under the teacher that is Jesus, the great master, the great teacher. And so it is, and the disciples got that. They understood it their whole life. They always understood that the greatest was always Jesus, that he was the one who deserved first place. But that takes humility. It takes humility, and we must be humble. Well, I wish my friend John was here, because this is one of his favorite verses in the Bible. There's another, another hallmark of the disciple, and that is that a disciple is a fast starter, That's going to sound like an odd thing to say, but here's what it says in the text. In Luke chapter 9, verse 61 through verse 42, it says this, uh, through 62, it says, still another one said, I will follow you, Jesus, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. But Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. No one who looks back, the point here wasn't that's a terrible thing to go say goodbye. The point was, there's an urgent task at hand. We got to get about it, be about our father's business. We need to go do the thing quickly. This speaks to something about true discipleship, right? This is where we know the good thing God wants us to do. We know it, we feel it. God makes it clear, but we hesitate and we wait. Maybe we look back to other things or we we let other cares come in our way and we don't get around to it. But one of the marks of disciples is the expediency or the speed at which they act. And Jesus is saying there's an urgency about the things that need to be done. And yeah, it's great to go say goodbye to your family. That's a good thing. But, But listen, the task in front of us is so important. We don't have time for that right now. We don't have time for that right now. There's an urgency. Get started. Be a fast responder, a fast fast starter to the things that Jesus asks you to do. 
This next one's an interesting one, and it's terrible grammar, but please put up with it. To be a disciple is to be a giver-upper. I know that's just terrible grammar, but let's just go on with it. To be a giver-upper. Listen to what it says. Jesus is talking about disciples. He says, in the same way, those who do not give up everything cannot be my disciples. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything that you have cannot be my disciples. The disciples did that. Remember, they left the boats on the shore. They left their parents on the shore, and they followed them. They did that. I don't know if you looked at your calendar or your checkbook ledger, if you still have such a thing. What does it say about the things that you follow? What are you leaving behind? What are you giving up? And what are you keeping? What are you holding on to? To be a disciple is to be a giver-upper. <laughs> they gave up everything. There's one last thing I want us to think about. To be a disciple is to be a doer. Jesus says something that's, um, well, it's troubling. He says in Matthew chapter 7, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Probably you played the game as a child. It's a fun game until someone gets hurt. You know this game, King of the Mountain. Ever play it? Great game if you actually had a hill in your neighborhood and you could push each other's off of it. Great game. No one ever managed to stay King of the Hill for very long because eventually the whole group would just push you off the hill and then they would fight it out. King of the Mountain. Well, this is the real question of discipleship. It's a question of kingship. It's a, a question of priority. Who's the king of the mountain of your life? And if we're honest, we really like sitting in the throne up there. We like it. We like to be the captain of our own ship, the master of our own destiny. We like to feel control. We like to feel like we have a, a sense of who we are and what we are and, and where we're going and, and life's an adventure and I'm going to get there. I'm going to do it all, see it all. We like that. I like that. There's one problem. That seat at the top of the mountain is not the seat that I was created to hold. It's not the seat that you were created to hold. There's only room for one king. True disciples understand who the king is. So this is a call to discipleship. As I said, kind of a teaching sermon. Just thinking about what that means to be a disciple.
Peter. Peter was talking to Jesus, and he said it all in one phrase. He said this to Jesus one day. Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And he did. He did. I don't know what you've thought about as a Christian today and you think about the task of discipleship. I'm not sure which one of those things hits you. But if something did, then if you're convicted of something, confess it and repent. Move forward. If there's some area you need to prove in, make this a day that you say, I'm, I'm going to do that. Lord, help me to make that change, to make that priority shift, to give you first place. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, then I encourage you, let this be the day that you begin to answer the call to follow him, to be obedient in Christian baptism, to walk in a newness of life. Whatever decision you have to make, would you make it right now as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation?